Have you ever wondered what it would be like to organise a concert series of your own locally? Beyond that, where would you start if you were asked to put together a music festival? We're going to hear an example of how it's done today. Welcome to Half Hour Mentor. It's Ian Cleverdon here and welcome to my podcast series designed to help anyone who's looking for inspiration to develop their creative skills, whether professionally or as a hobbyist. For this series, our focus is the creative arts. I'm interviewing musicians, songwriters, authors and actors, but also speaking to some of the directing and strategic management fields of this wide range in industry. All of my guests have been carefully chosen, as each one of them has a very interesting backstory from which we can all learn. If you're new to the series, please follow it on whichever streaming platform you use and go back to have a listen to the rich archive of over 30 interviews and compilations. This episode is the second of a two-part interview with John Watterson. John is known for two main roles in the creative arts. He's the programme director for a number of music festivals run by a company called Harmony Voyages, but is perhaps more widely known as Fake Thackeray, the artist who keeps alive the wonderful material of the much-missed songwriter and storyteller, the late, great Jake Thackeray. However, before starting both of these artistic careers, John spent many years working as a senior manager in a laundry firm. In the previous episode, John shared with us his career journey and how he turned his love of Jake Thackeray's work into a successful performing career around the UK. In today's episode, he shares his experience and advice on how to plan a concert series or festival programme. Don't forget to go and have a listen to part one if you haven't already, as it will help you understand more of John's background and how he developed his organisational skills. This series is completely independent of sponsorship and it's ad free. So if you'd like to sponsor the series or just throw a few virtual pennies into the bowl, please feel free to do so by donating online via the link in the show notes. And thanks in advance if you do. And so to part two of the interview with John. I sat down with him recently at his home in Yorkshire. Let's turn to the sort of the festival programme management side of things that you do as well, because that has almost, it seems to have taken off or taken a taken a big part of your uh, your working life now yes uh, in terms of that. yes it has so how did you get into p- promoting artists and working with programming festivals um well I, th- I think it's another another happy accident i think i spend my life stumbling from accident to accident and maybe we all do maybe 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 the whole thing is a bit less planned than, than we think but it was again through through contacts through networks um i'd been uh, putting on for some time an event in our village, Poppleton Live Village Hall concerts. And I started that for a particular reason of, of me being able to network with uh, other artists. And that links to the fake Thackeray approach. Yes, yeah, abso- absolutely. Uh, but these gained a bit of uh, attraction. We sold out, did about four or five a year. And they became a thing in the village that, you know, we sold out every time. We put on a nice little spread at the interval and the artists, we looked after them. Uh, and, and they just became really, really popular with artists and, and with audiences and, and, and great fun to do. And uh, a chap who had come along to one of my fake Thackeray concerts, a guy called Jeff Sargison. Uh, Jeff had come along to one of those and we'd got uh, uh, chatting and Jeff uh, had worked in local radio for years, really interested in music, uh, involved in festivals. And I said, well, come along to Poppleton, see what we do there. And he came along to an event uh, and, and really, really enjoyed it. 
And then out of the blue, he said, we're doing a festival in Beverly uh, next year, Beverly Folk Festival. Uh, we don't have a program director. Would you like to program Beverly Folk Festival? <laughs> and all I had programmed up to that stage was an artist for a gig on in a evening. village hall yeah. on one evening. <laughs> and Jeff um, uh, uh, just, just, I don't know what he saw. But he said, no, he said, I think you could do it and I'll, I'll help you. He'd, he'd been involved a couple of times. And so I got involved in putting together a week-long programme uh, over multiple stages at, at Beverly Folk Festival, given a budget, uh, you know, go out and find the right acts to put together. Mm. And it's daunting. It was daunting because that's... You know, that, that, that just, you know, the other end of the spectrum from, from what I'd been doing. Can I just take a step back from that, though? So mm-hmm. the first time, let's say you, you wanted to put Poppleton Live on and you had your first act and you mm-hmm. thought, who do I go to? What was, because that's, it's, that's dipping your toe in the water for the first time. Yes. How did you approach that? There was another contact. It was John, Anthony John Clark, right. who I'd, I, I'd played in at, at, and he'd introduced me to Fairport. So when I started doing uh, these events, I thought... He is the perfect guy to come along. He's hugely entertaining. Yeah. And by that stage, he was a friend. Yeah. And so well, let's test it with, with somebody that if we get anything wrong, if we get the sound wrong or something, somebody's not going to be yeah. you know, offended. Somebody doesn't and intimidate it, me. It'd give you feedback in terms yes. of making it run even better. Absolutely right. Because he's yeah. decades of experience. Yeah. And yeah. so we, we sort, of, sort of cut my teeth on, on that and then had the confidence to approach other people, the, the Vin Garbets and, right. and various people to, to, to invite them along to, right. to do it. Right. But so yeah. then it came to the festival then, <coughs> and it's okay, it's not one evening, it's put in a whole two, three days, I would imagine. Yes, yeah, um, yeah, four, four days, I think, right. Beverly. And I absolutely loved the, the mental challenge of putting something like that together fascinated me because you, what you want to do and what Jeff encouraged me to do was put on a bit of a, a variety show. So you've got different genres of music. So however you classify them, whether it's traditional folk and folk rock or contemporary singer-songwriters or comedy or blues, or you, yeah. different, the different genres. Yeah, because so folk, folk's a massive piece, isn't it? It's, 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 it is. Yeah. It is. And, and Jeff's view, uh, and which has become my view, is that you mustn't try to please everybody all the time. Mm-hmm. Put on something for everybody and make sure that when you're sequencing that, you're mixing it up so that if there's something on stage somebody's not keen on, then you've got a fighting chance. The next act on is, is going to be something something they like. Yeah. Um, and was this uh, different stages as well or just on Different stages, different genres of music. And the other dimensions you then want to add into that, that again came out of discussion with Jeff, is trying to get some sort of gender balance because it's very male-dominated, mm. the whole folk thing. Mm. So there's no formula for that other than you just keep looking at it and saying, have I got this mix as, as right as I can? Uh, you want some age variation. You want young musicians and older musicians. Mm. So you've got the genre, you've got the gender, you've got the age, and, and you're, you're sort of mixing all that up across different stages. And I just found that... Um, you know, it was a piece of plywood and, and post-it notes. Well, this they could go here, well, he could, they could go there. It literally was. Um, so it was post-it notes list, you had post-it, on the board. Oh, yeah, going, yeah, yeah. Po- okay, po- they can play at four, no, they're better off at eight o'clock. And, Absolutely, yeah. yeah and and, and I, still, I still use it. I still use right. it. And I, I just loved, loved that uh, experience. And uh, the year after that, 
Jeff told me that he was programming for this this newish thing, Costa del Folk. Um, he booked me to go on it as Fake Thackeray the, right. on one of them. And I oh, thought, and what year was this? This, this was 2014, the okay. first one. Right. And I thought this is just genius. It was starting off, there weren't that many people, it was a new startup, but a folk festival in the sun with great food and nice wine and mm. wow, you know, <laughs> what's, what's all the good bits. Like about it? All the good bits, lose all the bad bits of, you know, uh, the wellies and the rain and the and the burgers and stuff. How can this not succeed? Well, that's going to hit a different demographic, though, isn't it? It's not yeah. people turning up to Beverly at a weekend in no. the, the rain or whatever. Um, this is people who have to fly out and they've got the money to be able Absolutely. to Absolutely, yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, but his job uh, was to put the programme together. All the other stuff was was looked after by by, by, by other people in the team. Uh, Jeff, unfortunately, then a couple of years after that, recognised that he had a, a condition, I think, I believe it's Alzheimer's, but it's, it's, it's a condition. And he said to me, look, I'm finding that I'm having the same conversation with artists, uh, the same conversation within two minutes of having the conversation the first time. And they're saying, Jeff, you've already told me that. So he recognised in himself that he wasn't going to be able to carry on programming and it was Jeff that uh, then introduced me to the the Costa team and said, you know, would you would you mind if I put your name forward mm. to, uh, to to be the program director for Costa del Folk? So uh, I have a lot to thank Jeff for. And who is the Costa team? Is it a sort of a, a, a holiday company? It's a small small team. Harmony Voyages are a, they're a tour operator uh, run by husband and wife directors Andy and Angie Schofield. They are absolutely for as I say they're a tour operator and they their thing is that they will provide you with a holiday with great entertainment. That's their specialist thing. That's their USP. Yeah, an extremely creative couple. They keep having ideas, which keeps the rest of us on our toes. It isn't, you know, it isn't a case of what what we did last year. Okay, let's do something the same next year. The conversations with them are always about how do we make this better than last time for the customers? And that coming from a sort of corporate background as I'd previously been in, which had been all about how do we screw the maximum amount of profit out of this business, to be in a business where the conversations are just about the customer is is joyous. And I have the added, yeah, I think it's an advantage, that as a performer, when I'm programming and when I'm in discussions about the festival, I can also put the performer's point of view forward in that conversation, so uh, you know, it's I. I will look at that primarily through, firstly, the performer's eyes and what's the experience for the performer, right. and secondly, then the customer's eyes. How how is this? How is yeah. this looking for, for, for them? In two thousand and fourteen, the uh, the business uh, that was set up by Angie Schofield's dad, Jerry Flynn, who was the loveliest, loveliest uh, uh, guy. Little Irish fella, he's close to 80 now and he's, he's still just bristles with ideas. He's fantastic. He just had this idea. He heard that Mike Harding had left the Radio 2 folk show in 2012 or 13. So he found Mike Harding's number and he phoned him and said, how about doing this folk festival in the sun? And Mike Harding said, yeah, um, how about use my tour manager, Jeff, as the programme director? And Jerry said, yeah, OK. I mean, it was, it was that. Wow. And, and, and I just love that. So he just had the uh, idea of picking the phone up to Mike Hardy just, and said, dri- just give driving, it a go. Driving back. Jerry ran and still runs um, festivals for his Irish customers to go to the Med to do Irish step dancing. 
and that's been his thing, and he's done it for years and still does it. But then he thought, oh, well, why, does, why wouldn't this work with the, folk, with the UK folk festival then? Just had the idea, picked up the phone. And Angie and Andy are similarly <laughs> creative. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's always, well, why don't we do that then? Why don't we try that? Yeah. Yeah, oh, oh, right, okay. And I, I Which love in that. itself will bring challenges for you because you might sometimes yeah. have to perhaps think, rein it in a bit and, you know. Yeah, well, I have to th- I mean, I love, I, I mean, one of the things I, I, I'm appreciating more as I get older is lateral thinking. I love thinking about thinking. I love reading books about thinking. Edward Edward de Bono is my hero. With his hats. With yeah. his six thinking hats and his lateral thinking. And I have read each of his books about four times. And when I go on holiday, I will read each of his books again. About I just love the, th- the idea of thinking about thinking. I will get my, my grandchildren Edward de Bono books because this, this the idea of just challenging not everything i mean you just have you have to think in a linear way about most things you know you want to make a cup of tea you don't need creative thinking for a a cup of tea but if you're involved in a project and and a problem comes up the idea of deliberately okay thinking what's the obvious linear solution to this and then making yourself take a step back and say okay what's the opposite of that what's different to that well how can i challenge the assumptions and sometimes absolutely nothing comes out of it Hmm. and sometimes you go Oh yes, that would work. Right, and you're you're off then on a different train of thought, and 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 I love that, and I get the opportunity to do that within within Costa because they're Fantastic. just so open to ideas, providing it's about making the thing better. Let's explore that a bit further then. So you've got uh, you've been given a task of organising a festival in Ibiza in Portugal, wherever it is. You've got a week to fill. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that some people have been so inspired by listening to what you've said about just giving it a go that they're going to go, I quite fancy doing that locally or something. So mm. where do you start? What's point number one in terms of the planning of something like that? You've got a blank canvas, you know, you've got to organise a festival, let's say in Ibiza next year. Where do you start? Um, well, I start with my genres of music that I want to put on. So I've got a festival, I've got a given number of slots to fill and... Presumably one of those each day will be a headline slot. So if I've got a five-day festival, I've got five headliners to find. And then I've got some other acts to find, some general acts to find. And then I like to specifically look at younger, newer, introducing acts. Mm. So I've got in my head, right, I've got this festival and I want a mix of headliners, general good acts and introducing acts they don't have to be younger actually they, you know there are people yeah. in older life yeah. that start but perhaps not introducing. as familiar as to, to most of the audience yeah. so I've got that in my head as, 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 as what I need so I then look at the different genres I want to put in so out of my 20 acts I might want four folk rock four traditional four contemporary singer songwriters two comedy whatever, whatever a couple Americana jazz but so the genres are there because what you don't want to do is dive straight in at the looking at the act stage and then realise you've got a festival full of trad musicians. And no offence to trad, but I don't want a festival full of any one genre. Yeah. And if you just launch straight at the, let's go onto YouTube and find these acts, you then find, oh, crikey, this is all a bit unbalanced. Mm-hmm. So I then have my spreadsheet of, OK, I've got the different genres to put in. Um, and then you put onto that your budget. Right. Because you've, at some stage, you've got to say, OK, I've got X pounds to spend. A big chunk of that's got to go on my headliners. Yeah. And that divide by five, 
that's what I can afford for each of my headliners. Right. And then I've got my general acts. And then I've got my introducing acts. And I, I have a rule that I don't pay any musician below a certain amount to perform at a Costa Festival. I could get some acts for free. Mm. I never, ever, ever do. I get some acts to say, yeah, we'll come because of the this nonsense that if you play at a festival somewhere, mm. it's good for exposure. Mm. And, and, and I just think that's, um, what's the polite way of putting it? It's taking advantage. In, in, in the extreme, you know, I would never, you would never say to your plumber, come and fix my radiator. Uh, I won't give you any money, but I'll tell all my friends and you'll get great exposure from it. So I think this is yeah. a sort of a, just a, 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 it's really a cynical part of the, of, of the industry. So I have a figure, I won't say what the figure is, mm-hmm. but I have a figure below which I won't pay. So if a four piece, if I want a four piece act to come and they pitch me a price below that, I will, I will negotiate upwards. I will say, no, no, right. I'm not going to pay you that. Now, it's not a fantastic song, but it is. It's a principle yes. that nobody comes and plays for nothing, even though. You, so anyway, that, that's actually quite refreshing to to hear because well, well, I wouldn't know, like, my, in my experience. It's back to looking at this thing yeah. from the from the uh, from the artist point Absolutely. of view because I would have, and I've said previously to you know festivals, I'll come and do it for nothing. Yeah. And I'll tell you who who, who 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 sort of put me straight on that a few years ago was Harvey Andrews. Yes, have you come across I've seen him a few Har- times. Harvey yeah. um, Harvey became a a friend and he he played a house concert in this very room. Yeah. Ironically, uh, he, I supported Harvey Andrews many many years ago in 1980. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. Good, gorgeous, gorgeous man. Strong views on, on everything, Harvey. Love, love Harvey. And he's, he's retired now. But he invited me to come and do a charity do with him in his village. And there was him, me and Les Barker. And I'd not long started doing this and I thought, wow, mm. wow. I mean, these are, these are people I've listened to in my teenage years. And there's three of us on the bill, three people on the bill, and one of them's me. And I said to Harvey, oh, what a joy. You cannot imagine... I said, you know, no fee, put, the, put my share into charity. And he said, absolutely not. He said, you, 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 you demean your profession, young man. If you, <laughs> if you do that, you will take a fee and you will do the best job for it and the rest of the money will go to charity. And he was quite, quite insistent on that. And I thought, stuck, and I thought, actually, he's right. And I sort of translated that into yeah. my, my conversations with, with artists. And I, you know, I think there is a, there is a point below which well, it's you, business you should not at go. the end of the day. It's, you know, they, they, yeah. it's great you're recognising the situation they're in is the situation that you were in when you started off. And yes. it's actually just yeah. that little bit of mentorship, isn't it? Is to, in a I way. guess so. I guess so. It's just a line I won't cross. But I mean, back, back to programming the festival. So you've got... The, the number of acts, you've got you know, the number of headlines and, 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 and how you want to split it. You've got the genres, keeping an eye on, on gender balance as far as you can um, and, and age uh, and, and, and mix that up. And then you're in a position because then you've, you've got a list which says, right, I need two Americana acts or two trad acts or whatever it is. Mm. And I've got approximately... X pounds to spend on those acts. Now you can go to YouTube or or your list of artists, or you can you you, you can make up a list from festivals that are you know the mm-hmm. the, the lineups of existing festivals. There's, you can get the names of artists yeah. from many many places. So then you're in a position to go to those artists and say, I wonder if they would perform for a thousand quid mm-hmm. and come and do a set at the festival. So it's in that order. It's a lot of homework. And getting your understanding what you've got to offer and to which types of artists you you can go, mm. and once you've got that, 
then you're not going to get out of balance and you're not going to overspend your budget. Hmm. And that's, that, that's, that's how I try to have a sort of structured the, the, approach to it. The higher up the headline actually you go, the more that you'd be dealing with an agent rather than the yes. artists themselves. Yes. How does that differ in your experience in dealing with the agent rather than directly with the artist? Uh, in the vast majority of cases, the agents are fabulous. And I have absolutely no issue. What they're there to do is to allow the artist to do their job and the agent can, can get on and do the negotiating and stuff. At times, it's a bit of a barrier. At times, you you don't get a reply and you actually have a contact with the artist and you're tempted to say, well, you know, should I make the direct... I mean, I never do. I never do. If an artist got an agent, then you deal through the agent. Um, but at times, they can be a little bit of a barrier to the, the communication, but it's not often. In the vast majority of cases, they are an absolutely essential link in the chain because if you know if those people had to do their own negotiating and so you know they haven't got the time to to do their their job properly so yeah in the vast majority of cases I, I i'm more than happy to deal with agents and indeed they come up with some you know great ideas i've had one one this morning where i've booked an act and they've said how about so and so as they you know that's their business yeah and i've looked at so and so and i've never seen so and so before in my life and i go wow that's They'll great fit so, in perfectly in that slot that ab- you, on ab- your plywood board absolutely <laughs> so in the vast majority of cases i'm, I'm you know they are um, i think a, a real blessing yeah. uh, to what i do just occasionally you go oh i wish i could pick up the phone directly and, and deal but but that's that's rare that's and that's life. Yes. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. There's always things like that. What's the, I, I can just sense, and I mean, the listeners in, with your tone of voice alone will realise how much you're enthused about what you do. What's, what is the most enjoyable thing about the programming? What do you love the most about doing? Uh, the reaction at a festival to an act that nobody's ever heard of right. and you've put on. Because with the headline acts, you know they're going to be good yeah. and they're going to deliver what the audience expects and so when i go to a festival i like to discover some new stuff to do so that my our, our best example of that and it was jeff my predecessor rather than myself uh he booked an act called the track dogs and he saw a youtube video of these four guys as um a mixture of irish american uh english Four guys busking in Spain. They live in Spain, busking in Spain. And he saw them on YouTube and he thought, oh, they were great. And he put them on at a festival. And they went down an absolute storm. And there was such a demand that we've we've had them every other festival since. And they've now got tours in the UK. And this year they played at Glastonbury. And they toured a show of hands as well. Toured with a show yeah. of hands as well. And they are, I mean, they've got there through their own merits. They are absolutely monster musicians and great entertainers but if you can facilitate that and okay this time it was it was jeff not me but principal same if you can facilitate that you get somebody that was not well known at not known at all in this country and now you look on the internet and they're touring and they're doing glass where you go okay okay we did it we, we, we did something useful there yeah, absolutely. I went to the Costa Ribiza Festival earlier this year, 2023, and uh, I was a customer of that. So that's where I first came across yes. you, and I thought, yes, yes. I've got to have to speak to you. If I call one out, so from your programming point of view, and there, there are lots to call out here, but particularly if you narrow me down to one, Bryony Griffith and Alice Jones, 
who I'd never seen before and were fantastic and so much so that I will go and see them locally and uh, who knows they might even appear on the podcast at some stage weren't, weren't they excellent you know I had never seen them before um, there are you know back to back to the issue we spoke about in a previous conversation about having a, a number of contacts a, a relatively small number of contacts who whose opinion you really really trust um, so, and, and so it is in, in, in my music contact um, Phil Beer from Show of Hands uh, has a fantastic black book of contacts. I would I would love to, to nick it when he's not looking, but I always ask him each year. I said, who you know who would you recommend uh, for me that I probably have never come across, um, and 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 he never lets me down. There's usually a recommendation from Phil Beer in every festival I do because he'll he'll point somebody out and go, no, nah, never heard of them, but yeah, absolutely yeah. brilliant. Yeah. What do you see as the biggest issues facing musicians at the moment, from your experience? Uh, turning a crust, I think it's as, as simple as that. I think there's um, very little to be made now out of recorded music. The generation that would buy CDs is moving on. Um, there's still one or two at folk festivals, but not not many. The money that artists can earn from streaming service is pitiful. Mm-hmm. And so they are back to uh, live performances as the only way of earning a living. And I don't know how most of them do it, particularly the, uh, in, in, in folky world, there's quite a number of um, couples, uh, uh, so married or, or couple, male, female together, mm. um, both musicians, both dependent on that income. And how on earth they buy a house and bring up a, a family with that. Now, there's so much competition for uh, the paid slots. And there's so many opportunities now to perform for nothing, which, again, I think is scandalous. But, yeah. you know, uh, come and perform and uh, and it'll be lots of exposure. Or mm. um, I mean, it's OK if it's a, you know, if, if it's a an open mic down the local pub and it's it's you know people just want to go in and, and earn a free pint not knocking that at all no. and it's a way of other musicians testing the material yeah, absolutely. In a safe environment. And, and, and singers nights in folk clubs and all of that sort of that's all good but professional musicians you know finding places for them perform i, I think it was phil beer gave me a stat that 30 percent or more of the folk clubs that he played at pre-covid don't exist post-COVID. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they they earn a crust, which is sort of, um, again, in, in my mind, when I'm negotiating fees, I've got, on the one hand, to do a sensible job with the finances of the business. But I am also conscious that this, these are, you know, these are working musicians. You put your performer hat on. I do, yeah. I, do yeah. I do. And it, it, um, it, it, it's, it's always... It, 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 it's always a balance. I mean, we've got, at Costa, we've got a, the a unique benefit to offer uh, performers anyway, which is a, a holiday, a mini holiday. Yeah. And that works to the advantages of many... Uh, well, it works to the advantages of, of the festival and also some of the performers, those who... Mm. You know, want to come out, spend three or four days, bring the partner, bring the kids, mm. and they've got a little mini holiday there and a, and a performance and a fee. You know, that really, really works well. It works well from a festival point of view because we are the only festival where performers spend three or four nights sort of overlapping mm. 
mm. with each other. Normally at a festival, you in, play and go. Mm. Whereas with us, you'll find collaborations between artists from different bands mm. who will sort of know each other or know of each other and they'll sit in the bar and get a beer and they'll, you know, do you know this one, do you know? And you yeah. get these fantastic little collaborations. Which can still lead to other professional things. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, and these sort of spontaneously combust around the festival and yeah. that's one of the real, that's the other real joy, I guess. I mean, I, my, yeah, my answer to the, the, the performing uh, joy is the reaction, a good reaction to an artist that people haven't heard. But I also... You know, we we facilitate this thing of of performers being in the same place at the same time, mm. and they often lead to little little get-togethers that you know money couldn't buy. You can't buy a ticket to see those two performers performing together because they they won't ever do it again, yeah. or they might not do it again. It's very very special. That's right. I'm just hoping with the, the the just the guidance that you've given there, John, that we're inspiring a few listeners to think. Actually, I'd love to start putting concerts on in my locality just by doing that because what you've shared with them is your journey in doing that and if we can do that post-covid try to get the numbers back up in the village hall and and who knows where it can go yes from that and yeah. encourage you know the, the live musicians live music to keep going thank you ever so much for your guidance i've got one final question which i ask all of my guests and that is knowing what you know now with all of that experience that you've had both in the business world and what you've done from performing and from the programming side, what one piece of advice would you give that younger self of you? Oof. Um, well, draw, drawing on the things that we've said, whether it's one piece of advice or I'll, not, I'll, I'll, let you, I'll, I'll let you have two. I'll, so. I'll splurge something out and, 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 and see if there's any bones, bones to pick. Think laterally. Just, just, to just learn about lateral thinking and how you can approach issues differently. Network like mad, which is use using your contacts, and by use I don't mean in a negative sense, but but have conversations with people whose opinion you trust. Ask for advice, um, and and go for it. Go for it. I when I was younger, I think I was fairly deferential to people who were older and senior in the organization I work for and therefore I, 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 I would defer and think they they had a better handle on stuff than I did and you know they don't they don't you know so don't be intimidated by people who uh, you know pretend to know more than more than you just 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 go for it John Watterson thank you very much indeed it's been an absolute pleasure thank you well, what a masterclass that was in concert and festival programming. And I have some news to share with you of my own on that front in a moment. It's clear that John's career in business management, as we discussed in the previous episode, has definitely helped him with planning and organising a successful festival programme. I particularly liked his approach to lesser-known artists, ensuring that they receive a reasonable fee. After all, live performance is a significant part of a professional musician's income these days. And so to my news. As mentioned in the interview, I went to my first Costa Festival in Ibiza earlier this year. If we go back to pre-pandemic times, I was a sound engineer for a concert series in Wigan for several years. The promoter I worked with at the time sadly passed away suddenly, and the regular audience said to me and the other helpers, you are going to keep those concerts going, aren't you? We did so by the seat of our pants, learning as we went along, with great support, I have to say, from several of the agents that worked on behalf of the artists. 
The pandemic, though, and issues with finding suitable venues sadly put an end to that series. However, some of the artists I'd done sound for were playing at the Ibiza Festival, and it was lovely to catch up with them. Coupling this with the advice that John gave in the interview, I've been inspired to start up a new concert series in my locality. Called Corona Sessions, it will be a series of monthly concerts featuring national and international touring artists in the folk, roots and acoustic genres, based where I live in West Lancashire, England. You can find out all about this by visiting coronasound.co.uk forward slash sessions or by following the link in the show notes. You may recall also that I mentioned discovering the brilliant Bryony Griffith and Alice Jones at the festival. Well, if you're listening to this before Friday the 15th of December 2023, you can come and see them play live in Apolland, Lancashire as part of my Corona Session series. That's right, I was so impressed with them, I just had to book them. If you're listening after this date, do check them out. Their website link is in the show notes too. Thanks very much to John for taking the time to chat to me and for all his advice provided in the interview. You can find out more about John's work as Fake Thackeray and also the festivals offered by Harmony Voyages via the links in the show notes. Please make sure you subscribe to or follow the series wherever you get your pods to be notified of new episodes. Do please rate and review the series where you can. It all helps. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for listening. And until the next episode, bye for now. Thank you.